The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. If you're a sensitive snowflake that may get easily offended, then turn this off immediately. If you want to hear the real truth about the gun culture, then stick around. This is the Armed Citizen Podcast. on my go squad welcome to the armed citizen podcast live this is episode number 197 i believe today's date is tuesday june 22nd 2021 if you're out there live first of all welcome um if you're new out there then let us know that you're new tell us where you're from we'll give you a shout out just like marco polo out there says good evening all new here so welcome welcome to the dark side marco we cannot promise you that we're not going to make you uh any smarter but we just hope not to make you any dumber we're going to try to pass some information out here talk a little bit about our experiences and all of that and try to have fun along the way once again if you're out there live go ahead and say something we don't know that you're out there unless you say something if you have a question or a comment throughout the the show just tag myself and we'll try to get to as many questions as we can if if they're relevant to the conversation and all of that if you want to text or call in yes you can call into the show call or text on the ghost tactical hotline presented by our good friends at sportsmansguide.com that number is 530-364-4678 if you're a veteran out there or anyone out there in general but especially a veteran and you're in that dark hole and you don't know if you can find the light or if there is a light, please call me, text me, email me 24-7. I'm always here to talk. I cannot give you medical advice, but I sure as hell can probably get uh, be a pretty good ear. And if you are looking for someone to send you down the road of medical advice, remember two things. One, you are not alone. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So please contact the Veteran Crisis Hotline at one 800 273 8255. Once again, 1 800 273 8255. We are going to spotlight, as always, the United States Marine Corps. If you have any questions or want to know more information about what it takes to earn the title United States Marine, check out the website marines.com. And as always, we are a proud member of the Self Defense Radio Network. It is a great website that has like minded podcasts out there that are pro gun, pro 2A, pro freedom podcasts and all of that. So uh, go check out selfdefenseradio.net. And uh, yeah, they're making some jokes. The ATF got me. You know, I put a poll out there um, to the chat, and uh, it, the ATF must have got me. Before we get going, I do want to shout out um, our Patreon members. we got a new one uh, as of yesterday, Michael CE. So welcome to the dark side, Michael. Uh, thank you to all my YouTube channel members, including Lucy out there, Ricardo, before the show started. $10 Super Chat says boo. So boo right back at you. And as always, we do not ask for Super Chats. Uh, we don't encourage them, but they're very much appreciated. And any and all Super Chats that come in, we send right over to uh, to send care packages to our troops overseas. So uh, it's, it goes to a great cause. But thank you, Lucy. Appreciate you very much. Like I said, Marco Polo is out here. He's a new here, first time. Where are you from there, Marco? And we'll uh, try to get that going. 
James is out there. Gizzard Gary, Warsaw Patriot. Let's just kind of, I guess, let's go run through the room. Uh, two, two, three DMR guns and barbecues out there. Bucks out there. Gun loving grandpa. G23. We mentioned Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo found that he has some special emojis now that he is a channel member, not just the crayons, but uh, he's found some, he's found some cool emojis out there. So we found one of them. So uh, thanks for all of that. Let's see here. Del Ray's out there. What's up, Dan? How you doing, my man? Dan the man, Dan the man. Uh, let's go down. Jason Stewart's out there. Jason had mentioned earlier that uh, he's getting ready to start carrying, so he's going to be looking forward to this conversation. I think I said Warsaw's out there. Uh, James is out there. Gizzard Gary's out there. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it did cut me off. It cut me off pretty special, but that's okay. MKJO's out there. Uh, my miss hand cherry city guns and ammo's out there what up folks there's another channel member so if you see those guys out there that have the green letter in their names and the crayon next to them that lets you know that they're a channel member i appreciate you very much uh davidius reynolds is out there what's up davidius how are you doing i love that name davidius that's i hope that's a real name that's a badass name if that's a real name uh let's see here who else is out there Check your phones for COVID. There you go. Exactly. The 1% out there, Rich White. What's going on? I think I've caught up to everybody and all that. So let's bring in um, our good buddy from the great state of Texas, the tactical virus. I mean, uh, Leprechaun. What's up, Clove? How you doing, man? Yo. Yo. So G23 wants to know. Uh Uh-oh. It's um, it's about 70 at this point, which is awesome. 70 care packages. Um, it's pretty awesome. So thank you to everyone. The average package, they say, is anywhere from 15 to $20 and all that. We've raised a lot of money since. I guess it was like, what, December? I think like the first of December is when I started doing that. Maybe send some care packages uh, for Christmas. Maybe it's november late november but since then we've raised a lot of money like well over a thousand dollars and and um and it's gone probably around 70 75 ish care packages overseas so that's awesome I, I really do appreciate you guys and we use several different companies to do that with um the, the main one that we use especially starting out was operation gratitude and um so it's uh they're, they're doing good work and they're the ones that came up with the number that said the average is about 15 to 20 dollars depending on the package itself so um but yeah it's pretty awesome uh, yeah g23 says need to double that number yeah i mean we, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it so i mean it's not like we're gonna stop sending packages over there that's something that's gonna go on now that's that's a thing but yeah i think that it's it's pretty cool it's pretty cool that we've done already 70 to 75 roughly um so I'm happy, very, 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 very happy with that for sure. Uh, what's going on with you, man? You doing all right? Yeah, it's been uh, working on videos and other things, working on getting, good Lord, speaking of packages, working on getting stuff mailed out between the Friday show and then all the Patreon stuff and YouTube channel member stuff. And Yeah. God, uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a pretty big bill at the post office, I think. <laughs> what it is and oh, yeah. uh, 
So next time, tomorrow, Thursday night, guys, do me a favor. Do me a favor. If you're a fan of CloverTech, Thursday night at 8 Central, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, Clover has the studio podcast, and we go over the nerd stuff and talk about the insides and behind the scenes of content creation. That being said, do me a favor, and we need to get about $150 in Super Chats that night. The reason why, they're going to take their portion of it, but that will help Clover get his shit mailed. Um, so let's get some Super Chats on Thursday night so we can get so we can get his stuff mailed out. You know what? I'm, I'm <laughs> thankful. Go fund me for your mailing bill. Your that's- mailing bill. Yeah, that's great, and I'm I'm thankful for anybody that does that does chip in. You know, I would say if you want to help out, honestly, go over to the swag store. There you, you know, go, and that just adds more stuff. I got a freaking mail, but I mean it. I mean, at least you get something for you know, right. um, you know, or Patreon or a uh, YouTube channel member. Uh, but you know, I'm blessed like you are. I have people that super chat. I have patreon patrons i have the youtube channel members so i i can swing it <laughs> i could you know it's gonna hurt don't get me wrong spending that much to you're, you're simply be able to mail stuff um, you're, you're I, still gonna be able to feed yourself i guess right? you know i spent i don't even remember because like, we bought a whole bunch of stuff groceries and other things but okay. i had to buy a bunch of boxes and envelopes and other things I told you the other day at Walmart just to be able to box the stuff up. So it's not just the cost of the shipping when you do stuff like that, but the supplies you need. You need mailers and you need tape and you need boxes and you need all this other stuff. And oh, yeah. ugh, it gets hectic, but uh, it, it'll be it'd be okay. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, you got anything that's going on the last couple of days or anything you want to catch up with before we jump in or any exciting news or anything? Yeah, I mean, tomorrow I've got Rachel Malone on a podcast at five Eastern four central. Um, and if you're not familiar, uh, she is uh GOA Texas. So yeah, we're going to be kind of finishing up the, uh, Texas constitutional carry all the two a bills and in, in that by having her own, uh, still working, trying to get the scheduling right for a couple of, um, Texas politicians to have them on, but, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have Rachel tomorrow unless something comes up between now and then. There you go. Uh, Guns and Barbecue says he feels like he's responsible for at least 100 of that mailing bill. Very well could be. <laughs> we got uh, General. I don't know. Do we, do we address him as General Washington or President Washington? Or how about General President or President General? Kind of uh, interesting little dictatorship name right there, President General. But uh, George Washington says, sorry, I'm late. He was out in the cornfield chasing raccoons. Well, I hope he didn't get bit. Uh, they're cute. They're cute animals. But, man, those things, little suckers are mean. Especially when they start hissing at you. They are mean little freakers. But they're cute to look at. All right. So we're going to dive on in. Um, once again, you guys know that I'm a member of a lot of different groups over on Facebook. There are a lot of them are concealed carry, a lot of shooting firearms, two-way stuff. But... I'm in a couple of pretty large um, concealed carry and EDC and, and different stuff like that um, groups. And I'm always over there. I'm always fascinated. And I guess just because I think a lot of us have been carrying for so long and all that, you take for granted certain things and you get questions in there asked all the time about, Hey, what, you know, just getting my concealed carry or, Hey, 
speaking of Texas, uh, we just passed constitutional carry. We've got a couple months before uh, I'm going to start carrying. Um, but what should I, what should I do? What should I look out for and all that stuff? And, and like I said, for me, it's one of those things, I think for a lot of us, it's one of those, we take for granted the knowledge that we've learned throughout the years that we don't think about necessarily the new the people that are new to carrying. And we've had such an influx of new gun owners to begin with. And I think that, and I don't know the, the numbers off the top of my head, but I'd imagine that the, the majority, I'm say the vast majority, but the majority of the new gun owners bought guns probably to carry or for self-protection, self-defense and all of that. And I think that there are people out there that may be afraid or nervous to ask questions because as we know, the cesspool of social media, we tend to be a little negative towards people that aren't as smart as we think we are. And there are some negative comments that you see all the time by people about, Hey, what kind of holster, what kind of gun? And Hey, just bought this XYZ gun. Well, what should I do the first thing? Go buy a new gun. That's trash or whatever. Shut up. This this person bought a gun and they bought it for a reason. So we're going to try to help them. And so that that was where this, we've we've done this before, Clover. We did this a couple of years ago or so, kind of about the do's and don'ts for the new carriers. But I think there are a lot more people that are carrying now. And then with the massive influx now, 21, including the state of Texas, possibly 22 with louisiana coming down the line possibly um we're almost at half the country has passed constitutional carry and i think that that's awesome first of all is if you think about texas is the 21st state we almost have half the country that have passed constitutional carry in their individual states now with texas coming on board we've easily have the vast majority of the landmass of America under constitutional carry, um, which is awesome. But yeah, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Chloe, he, Chloe changes avatar to, uh, to the black Jack 21 representing Texas. So yeah. Have you been, let's, let's go ahead and kick this off, but you yeah. know, you've been covering the, the constitutional carry and all that. And, and you do carry, but, have you noticed in your kind of Texas maybe groups that you're in the people talking about, Hey, I never wanted to get my CCL or whatever you guys license to carry down there. But now that we have constitutional coming in September, um, we're going, I want to start carrying. Have you started noticing people asking questions at all? Um, not so much. And, and okay. I think there's a reason that you have people that aren't asking a lot of questions and it has to do with the jack wagons that you're mentioning. That's so hateful and they're mean and everything. And you talk about gear. Oh, that gun is not good enough or that ammo is not good enough or that holster is not good enough. Man, the, the vitriol starts even before that. It's right. I don't want people cared and aren't trained properly. It's like, yeah. whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Um, cause you know, what do you, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, I don't know how other states do it, but other than teaching basically of like the law or whatever, as far as firearm safety goes and handling and carrying our license to carry program since its inception has pretty much been a joke. Even when it wasn't eight hour course instead of a four, um, right. it, it was, it was classroom except for like two hours of it or an hour of it or, or some kind of crap. And even then it was standing in front of a static target shooting at a piece of paper. Um, 
So hold on, hold on a minute. You're on some kind of a high horse because you went to a four hour or an eight hour little sit down course where you kind of sort of learned the laws of carrying and that somehow makes you better than somebody that you don't know, maybe a lifelong firearm owner, maybe a comp- competitive shooter, maybe this, maybe that, but just never really wanted to pursue the license, be it the cost or the time or, or never pursued whatever the case may be. And, you know, I hate to say it, but let's stop for a minute and be honest. Really? How hard is it, is it to grasp firearm safety? I mean, really? Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, yeah, and, and you bring up the point of the competitive shooter or lifelong firearm. Just because they're new to carrying doesn't mean that they're not new to firearms or it means that they're not means they're new to whatever. Like you said, we could have Julie Golub here. And if Julie is a world champion competitive shooter, but let's just take her as an example. Let's just say Julie has never carried before for whatever reason. Now she decides she wants to carry. I'm pretty sure I'm okay with her carrying. She's going to have she might have some questions about different things, but I'm not worried about her proficiency as a firearm owner and, and, and shooting a, a firearm and all that. So I, I like what you're saying is, is let's, before we start judging people, which the cesspool of social media has a tendency of doing that. Let's also, um, before we start judging and all that, let's find out what their background is. If someone asks you, hey, um, new to carrying, what's what should I start doing or what should I start looking for? Instead of saying, hey, just bought a XYZ gun. Let's just say I just bought a high point. Let me start carrying. Instead of just dogging them, say, hey, what's your background with firearms? Are you a new gun owner? Like you've never fired a gun or ask those questions. First of all, don't be an asshole, which there's a lot of assholes out there, but uh, that's the biggest yeah. thing. Foss out there. Holy hell. You know, I, I love Foss, but Mighty Mouse out there is going to drop $10 in a super chat. Thank you very much. But he doesn't even ask a question or call me a dumbass or anything. He doesn't say anything. He just drops $10. At least get your money's well, worth. Come on, man. Well, silence is golden, and so is that super chat, apparently, from the, from the color it was. So, um you know, if, if I could if I could speak to potentially somebody that has tuned into this, that maybe they maybe they don't carry, maybe they're thinking about it, maybe they're a first time firearm owner. If I could stress one thing um, that you really need to ingrain in yourself and muscle memory, um, and even lifetime, lifelong, whatever firearm owners, uh, I see I see fuds all the time that that oh my god, it, it irks me to no end trigger discipline trigger discipline trigger discipline trigger discipline when you start talking about holstering and unholstering and stuff like that uh trigger discipline is super 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 important i was gonna bring that up but in a way i was gonna ask you you and i think it's scary sometimes how we are thinking alike i was gonna say hey if, if now the three or four safety i know that you say there's three and all that right but of all and all that i was gonna say what's the most important for and, and i i honestly do think it's keep your finger off the trigger until you intend to pull it um so we were thinking right along that way and that, that is something that if you get that okay and and you do nothing at home but practice you know keeping your finger 
off the trigger or out of the trigger guard or anything like that, just completely away from the trigger, you're going to be safer than most people that are lifelong fire runners. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know that I do. I'm sure you do. I find myself at the range sometimes in that trigger well, maybe a little bit earlier or whatever. We all make that mistake. But if, you, if you're really conscious about keeping that finger away from the trigger until you're ready to pull it, you're going to be safer than a lot of people for sure. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. And I mean, that's one of them things where, you know, it's it's why we got the multiple rules. We've talked about this before. But, you know, any one of those rules followed mm. um, mitigates the chances of, you know, a negligent issue to ne all, near zero, right? All sure. of those followed, right? Or the more you 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 compound onto it, right? If you follow all of the rules, be it three or four, I guess, it, four, the fourth rule really has nothing to do with safety. It has to do with that, you know, basically after you fired because that's know your target and what's beyond it. Well, up until the point that you fire, that, that doesn't really matter. Um, but anyway, um, you know, if you follow that, let's just say the three, right? I mean, it's, it's almost absolute zero chance at that point. Right. Uh, not that something weird, crazy, you know, one in 8 billion couldn't happen. Um, but so near zero, but I mean, even, I mean, how many times we've all seen it? I mean, how many times have we been muzzle sweat before? Right. Yeah. And whether it's somebody's finger, a lot of times their fingers, not on the trigger when they're muzzle sweeping, they're uncasing a rifle, they're uncasing mm -hmm. a pistol or something like that. And you know, your fi their finger is nowhere on the trigger. It's on the, you know, handguard and the stock or whatever the case may be, you know, and they muzzle sweep. Well, you know, I don't get me wrong. I don't like being muzzle sweat, <laughs> but you know, if somebody muzzle sweeps me and their finger is in that trigger guard, uh, that's going to be a way different reaction than if they're just sweeping me coming out of a case or something like that. I'm going to go, Hey, whoa, what are you doing? You know, if they muzzle right. sweep me and they got their finger on the trigger guard, they're probably going yeah, to get tackled. Just... To, they're fixing to get tackled to the ground or something's fixing to get knocked out of their hand or they're getting knocked upside the head or something. I'd like to see that actually, uh, not some being unsafe, but I'd like to see like your reaction to that. That'd be, that'd be kind of funny. Uh, real quick, shout out G23, $20 super chat. Thanks, brother. So isn't the first thing you do with a firearm is look down the flashy hole. I want anyone out there that's new to this show and new to gun ownership and new to carrying. He's joking. First of all, he's joking. Uh, it's, it's, it's sarcasm. It's sarcasm. So uh, absolutely, you know, absolutely not. Don't do that. Um, DM Foss out there says, since he sent a super chat without talking about it, I'll, I'll use this as his uh, one thing. He said, that's what I did before I started carrying. I worked on drawing and presenting until I did it without fingering the trigger. Exactly. Um, when so, I'm at the range and, and I'm doing my safety briefing and all of that, um, we're, we're a cold range, but when we're doing a fun shoot or whatever, I do allow people to keep their guns holstered, unloaded, uh, and they before they they can't load until they get up to the line and and you know I say load and make ready and all of that, um, but I've had to because even last year there was a, a range incident that someone died, um, literally after he was you know he he loaded make ready and was reholstering and just because he's reholstered that gun this is not at my range by the way but I saw this happen somewhere I can't remember where it was but. Is it a competition? Is reholstering as he did? Kind of slipped whatever fingers in the trigger, shot shot his um, 
artery and was dead a minute later. Um, one of those freak things. This guy's been doing competition forever. So I even now, I even say, look, even when you're reholstering, I want you to look that gun into the holster just yep. for safety issues. And, and a lot of people, I find myself, I, I don't always do that until, you know, I, I try to do that more often now. But, you know, you're so used to, you know where that holster is, you know where everything is, and you just get used to it. But looking at that gun in the holster is, is something as simple as that for sure. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, it keeps the cant of that gun, right, away from, you know, because, I mean, don't get me bad. Don't get me wrong. It'd be bad if you shot yourself in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But grazing the outside of your leg is a lot worse than that cant inward, right, where it's going to get yeah. potentially get an artery. So. <laughs> You know, could you could the accident still happen looking at? Yes, it, it probably could. But if you were looking, I think there's more of a chance you can't you would be canted outward at that point yeah. um, to G23's comment earlier. As long as you are are properly adhering to two of the safety rules, with your finger off the trigger and action open, look down the flashy hole all you want. I encourage you. I I get what you're saying. I just don't. <laughs> I just, I'll look from. Well, how else are you going to check to make sure there's not an obstruction, right? Especially if you're talking about some firearm you took out of a sock drawer or you, you know, something like that, and you're going to take the range. I will range. look it from the action side of it, not from the muzzle side of it. <laughs> just saying. That's just me, though. That's just me. I don't trust myself. You know, <laughs> I guess, but if the action is open, the action's locked open, right? Yep. And your finger's not on the, if the action's locked open, you it's not loaded. It. No, no, I, I understand the premise of what you're saying. I'm just not going to do it. You know, that's just something. You that's know. where, that's where the, the, the rules of firearm safety, they have to be fluid, right? Sure. They, to an extent. I mean, they're not hard and fast because how would you ever shoot anything? If you, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. so how would you clean your firearm? How would you maintain anything? Right. They're not hard and fast. And that's why there's multiple rules and multiple layers to it. But, you know, again, that, that y'all gets into, uh, that all gets into, I think, nuances that you got to, you got to grasp the basics first. Yep. No. And like you said, the safety rules are not concrete. They are not absolute. Um, they are guidelines to live by, add what you want to it. You know, those are just the basics. Uh, you can never be, I'll put it this way, you can never be too careful. So Yeah, I'm curious on, on your range when we're talking about that. So, you know, on our particular range, uh, you know, for 4-H, we started out 4-H utilizes the three rules, muzzle, action, trigger, mat. Um, but there was 12. There ended up being 12. You okay. know, by the time we added it all to the range rules. So you, any idea for your range, how many rules there actually are for range rules there? Obviously, the big three or four apply. Um, I have posted a big thing on the pistol range. I'm, I'm only speaking for pistol range. That's what I'm the director of um, is the four basic safety rules. And now when we have events and we have other things and we're going to have our safety briefing, we might have specific ones for that event, but just in generalities, I've got the four safety rules posted up on, uh, on, on the wall and all of that by the pistol range. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we, we like I said, individuals, because here's the thing, 
very rarely, especially if you go to a range, it's a public range and all that. Very rarely are you going to have an RSO there. We are all, if we're handling a gun and we're at the yep. range, we are all RSOs. We are all out there to, we should be vigilant and out there making sure that not only myself is safe, but everyone on that line is safe. And if there's no official safety officer present, we're all RSOs on that line. So yep. um, that's just something to always remember as well. It's pretty cool. I mean, if you go to, uh, you know, depending on what range you're shooting on, I guess, and or, you know, especially if you go to some organized, fairly organized competitions, like when you get a uh, ceasefire. So it's really cool because of the echo, right? It's really, yeah. really important. So remember that if you're on the range and you hear ceasefire, then you holler ceasefire. Yes. Um, yeah. And you, you do command you here. Yes. Absolutely. Because the person next to you, maybe they, for whatever reason, they didn't hear it. Right. And so always, always repeat those, those safety commands like that, especially a ceasefire, especially a ceasefire. Yeah, I would say both uh, the two biggies are, are there. Ceasefire and range is hot, okay, or going hot. If you have multiple people on that line and there's someone out there that is towards the end and they may not hear, hey, eyes and ears, range is going hot. And when I'm down there at the range and all that, I'll make sure everyone gives me a thumbs up. And I'll say, okay, range is hot because there could be someone with their, you know, something everyone has – electronic earplugs or whatever they might just be stuffing cotton in their ears and they can't hear anything and so you not only use visual but i mean you have voice but you also use visual thumbs up or thumbs down or whatever um because the last thing you want to do is if you're getting ready to send the range hot is the last second some dude grabs his target stand and starts walking down range because he can't hear anything so if you're out there make sure that ever before you go hot Make sure everyone is paying attention. They're giving you a thumbs up, eyes and ears and all of that. Make sure that no one's getting ready to walk out. They visually give you the A-OK, hey, I'm ready to shoot. Um, if if one person on that range does not give you that confirmation, don't make the range hot. We can sit there in a cold range until we meet everyone has done that. But you have to be a range safety officer. It could be someone next to you. If someone calls ceasefire, Everyone repeated as loud as they can. Cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. There are some seriously bad things that probably have happened at ranges because everyone assumes that everyone heard the cease fire call. We don't know that. We don't know that. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm the Yeti out there says the CCW class is Sunday. So excited. So, Yeti. Um, do you have any questions for Clover or myself or anyone in the chat? Because I think Jason and and Yeti are ones that are coming up on their their uh, CCW class this weekend, which is awesome. Um, Mentality of Guns says, I'm late. What's tonight's word for thought? Safety. We'll just say tonight's keyword is safety. At least it is so far. Um, now, Cherry City Guns and Ammo says, I'd like to hear your opinion on purse carry. Not for me. Uh, just a controversial topic in a discussion with a woman who can't carry on her person. So I want to sit there and say, let's take it. Look, let's expand this a little bit, Clove, and say purse carry or backpack carry for a guy. There's a lot of people that will um, yep. do backpacks and we'll just say off person carry, whether it's a backpack or a purse or whatever. 
Um, do I personally utilize it? Um, I do carry backpacks that have firearms in them, but I'm always going to have one on my hip. Right. Um, I have no problem. I, I may not practice it myself, but I have absolutely no problem with off-person carry, whether it's a purse or a backpack or whatever. Right. I would much rather have someone carrying in a purse or a backpack than not carrying at all. Hundred so, percent. Uh, go for it. What, what, what would say you? Yeah, hundred percent. And I would. What I would say is, if you're talking about a fanny pack, um, you know, the, the number one thing I hear, the number one thing I hear is, well, let's see. There's two things that I hear. Number one is, if it's in a a pack of some sort or a purse, you can lay it down, you know, and then maybe somebody steals your purse or whatever. So you have to be, if you're going to carry that way, you have to be cognizant and vigilant about laying that down, right? For whatever reason. Number two is people, well, a purse snatcher, right? Somebody grabs it off your shoulder or grabs this, that, or the other. Well, you eliminate that by the fanny pack. It locks around your waist, right? So nobody's going to snatch and grab that. Or I guess they could, and the buckle could break. I mean, it, it's possible, right? Sure. Um, but also, if you're talking about a purse or even a sling pack, um, you could carry that way cross-body, and it would have the same effect, right? It wouldn't Absolutely. just be over one shoulder. It would be much harder to snatch and grab. Um, so if you are going to off-body carry like that, I think just be be cognizant about you know, if you go to the bathroom or if you do, you know, you have to take it off for some reason. And when you're wearing it, make sure you're wearing it in a way that's going to be difficult for somebody to get it off your body. Yep. And, and I'll say this, no matter what position you carry, whether it's appendix, small, or back, hip, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, wherever, ankle, shoulder, however you carry. We talk about that. There's no right or wrong answer. How you decide to carry is individually your choice. But no matter what, make sure that you're practicing that draw. Whether you're going live at the range or just doing it dry fire with no ammo in the gun at home, but you're worrying about that draw. If you're going to go off body, whether it's a fanny pack, a backpack, a purse, whatever it may be, you've got to practice drawing from that bag or that fanny pack or that purse or whatever. Uh, there are a lot of great purses and backpacks and all that that are designed for concealed carry that may have like a little zipper. You sling it over and it pulls out whatever you're going to use. Practice it. Okay. Practice it because um, just because it's you're a great from the draw from the hip and you sit there and say, well, I don't put it in my bag very often. So what, you know, it might be once a month I have to carry in a purse or in a backpack. So there's really no reason to practice because it'll never happen that one day. You know, that might be the day. So practice well, it. Also, maybe practice, especially if you're talking super close quarter, yeah. um, which most encounters are going to happen that way. Practice mm -hmm. shooting through the bag, quite honestly. Yeah. Tell you that what they consider a self-defense range, uh, engagement range is 21 feet. And in, in, so it's seven yards, but 21 feet inside 21 feet. Fence shoots happen within 10 feet. Right. So be proficient all the way up to 25 yards with your handgun, 50 yards, whatever it is. 21 feet, basically what the courts will tell you, that's about the extent of what they would consider as, as a qualified self-defense shoot. Most shootings in that situation happen within 10 feet. So what Clover was saying, that's going to be close quarter right there, okay? That's going to be something um, 
that you're going to have to just know that, and we, this is going to get in a whole other rabbit hole, but, you know, at, at, that, at that distance, at that range to target, um, a lot of people can just point and shoot because they've got the muscle yeah. memory enough and the presentation to where they're not having to, but that's yeah. over time, years and years of practicing and drill after drill. But at that point, I know at 10 feet, I'm just going right well, there and I get you know, let's be let's be honest. Within arm's length, nobody's going to aim. Absolutely, it, it ain't yeah. happening. I don't care how skilled you are or whatever. Yeah. It's going to happen so fast and everything else. You know, you know that. Yeah, within an arm's length, they're going to pull it out. You're, the muzzle's going to be wherever it's going to go bang, and that's that's it. Um, yeah. You know, the other the other aspect of you know just being being able to be aware of where the muzzle is pointing simply by muscle memory um where that's going to be valuable too is let's say that you get taken to the ground for whatever reason right and somebody's on top of you right and you've Mm -hmm. got to draw or you've got to pull it out you've got to do something right then Mm -hmm. you've got to be aware of by how your hand is on that grip you know what i'm saying the muscle memory that if i turn twist my wrist this way or that way the muzzle's where it needs to be to get the job done correct and that just comes with practice and there are people when i go to the range um like i did sunday for a little bit i didn't take my camera out there i just shot for a little while and i worked on my own skill set and my own stuff and when i'm at the range working on stuff and and someone walks up there look at they'll they'll look at me like what the hell are you doing because i'm working on this weird stuff i'm working on what if my right arm is injured and I now I've got to go weak hand. I've got to change a magazine with single hand, weak hand only. You know, how do I rack that magazine and and how do I you know, all that stuff? But if you're never practicing that, then you're never going to be prepared for that. I, I don't want to go down a training theme because that's just a whole other issue. But yeah, I hear what you're saying is you've got to be thinking whether or not you're practicing. You've got to mentally be thinking of different scenarios that could play out. Uh, Yeti out there says, what should I expect and what should I do to be prepared? Um, so I don't know what state you're in. So I don't know what yeah. your CCW licensing thing is. I can only go by what it is here in Arkansas and Clover could give some insight at Texas. And they're probably very, very similar, um, for your license to carry or your, uh, concealed carry handgun license, CCHL here in Arkansas. Um, don't expect it, a lot. That would be my, that no, would be yeah, my- yeah. your expectations is not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Beyond. Um, Buck says, let's make this Sunday weekend. So Buck and I are going to be shooting together this Sunday. Uh, we could, we can definitely do some of that for sure. Uh, I wouldn't say only weekend, but I think we should, I think we should throw in some weekend stuff for sure. No doubt. As, as far as being the being prepared and, and I'm assuming there's some type of a, you know, shooting proficiency type thing. Um, don't worry about, don't, don't at all be worried about that. I mean, at most, yeah. Most states that I know of, I mean, literally a blind person, and we know people who have done it. Literally a blind person can qualify. Um, so so don't Iowa. don't fret too much about that. But yeah. as far as as far as being prepared, just just make sure. I mean, have a calm demeanor and everything, and make sure that when you go out to do the proficiency part, you're following safety protocols and everything. You don't want to get yeah. called out for that for sure. I would say that, and I want to say that I don't think Ohio is a may issue. I'm pretty sure they're a shall issue, 
which means you're probably going to, if you're worried about the shooting portion of it, they're going to not let you leave until you've passed the shooting portion. It might take you a couple extra times. Other people take your time, do your thing. If it's like it is here in Arkansas, you might only have to shoot five, six rounds. I don't know. I can't speak. It's an individual instructor as well. Uh, The biggest thing I can tell you is listen to, I'm going to tell you that the the classroom portion of it is probably going to be six of the eight hours or however. It's going to be three-fourths of your time there. It's going to be mind-numbing, and it's going to be boring, especially if you have a boring speaker. But if, if they are a good quality instructor, they're at least going to go over the concealed carry laws in your state. Now, whether or not they do it in a way that's going to be entertaining or whatever, figure out a way that you're going to be able to listen because the most important thing is it's not necessarily where you can carry. It's knowing where you can't because the last thing you want to do is carry in a place that is prohibited that you may not know is prohibited just by general knowledge, right? You get caught and now you're in that predicament. So um, I would study up, make sure you know where you can carry, where you can't carry. Um, ask questions. If your instructor is one of those people that discourages questions, they just want to go through their spiel and be done with it, then ask for your money back and go somewhere else. Their job is to help you get that license, but also to prepare you. So if you have a question, ask it. There is no such thing as a dumb question. You're paying them to teach you. So And you can can also, um, I'm assuming that they are somehow, you know, certified whatever by the state. So mm-hmm. if you do get a train, if you do get a, a, a trainer and instructor that is like that, they're just blowing through the material and, you know, they're not asking questions and you do, especially if it's so bad that you have to ask for your money back, report them. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, let's see here. He says also wondering about, getting ccw insurance man that's a whole nother podcast on its own um depends on who you ask um i'm gonna tell you no i'm gonna tell you no um as far as should you um i don't think anyone should do anything that they don't want to do if that's something that you want to do then absolutely uh, make sure that you're doing your research, especially in the state. There might be some things through the NRA in your state or your local gun club. They might suggest certain companies. There are a lot of great companies. There's probably five or six of them out there that are legitimate that um, will help you in litigation. That's really the insurance that you're buying is not an insurance except for if something goes wrong, you'll have access to attorneys to help you with litigation whether it's civil or criminal, that's really what quote unquote carry insurance is about is having access to attorneys. Should something go wrong? Depends on what you think is important or not. Well, when I say, yeah, exactly. When I say no, I'm coming from me. Yeah. That's, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, 
anymore. I'm not, I'm not for a second telling anybody else, no, you don't need Absolutely. it. You have to make, that's a risk assessment thing, right? And so you have to make that assessment for me. There's a couple of things that, that come into play. I look at what is the probability I'm ever going to have to draw and defend myself where I live. The area I live in is a massive in the area. I travel is a massively huge factor with that. And the answer to that question for me is near zero. Then if I get into that situation, as far as law enforcement in the area, the attitude toward firearm ownership, defending yourself, what is that sentiment like? Have we got, you know, crazy district attorneys that are just looking to lock people up and railroad people, or are they laid back? Well, I know for a fact, I've, I've seen self-defense situations in this where somebody literally defends themselves. They take out, they kill the attacker and they, they're literally the police show up, they fill out a form and everybody they go home with their gun and everything else. Very pro self-defense area that I live in and travel. So the odds of anything ever happening, zero. And then the odds of if that happens, the odds of it being a bad situation for me and me needing some type of insurance like that, again, near zero. So for me, it's just, yeah, it, it's not worth it to me based on that risk, risk assessment. Yeah. And I had USCCA for several years um, up until last year, maybe 2019. I don't, I don't remember. Last year was kind of such a weird year. I don't remember if it was whenever it was. Um, and I, I want, not because I didn't like USCCA at all. I actually really enjoy what USCCA provided. Uh, it wasn't just the insurance. It was a whole community. And USCCA does a great job of of having videos out there. And, and um, obviously the USA, USCCA uh, show and convention and all of that. But there's... There's a lot of stuff that go in with what you sign up. It's not just insurance, but there. Well, you can ask questions. So all of that stuff is good. I can't speak for other ones. I've heard U.S. Law Shield's pretty good, and all. That. I've heard a lot of them are are good. Um, I went away over not because I stopped liking USCCA. Kind of like what you where I am. Um, I I I. I Put it to you this way: the judge um, has a shooting range on his property, so you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's kind of where we are. the The uh, prosecuting attorney son is a national champion uh, trap shooter uh, for high school kids. I'm not worried about being blackballed and all of that through the the litigation process from people here where I live. So kind of the same thing is, is it just wasn't really worth it to me because I really didn't see the need for it. Um, what I will say is if you travel a lot and you travel out of state on a regular basis, not like a couple times a year, like we do, but on a regular basis, you're traveling across state lines and you're going to places obviously with concealed carry reciprocity or they have constitutional carry or whatever that's when you can start going into some of those insurance policies because they do have different states and all that to where it could help you. But it really comes down. If someone should tell you that you don't need it or someone tell you absolutely you do need it, neither one of them are right. 
you have to decide, is it worthwhile to you? Is that price per month or that yearly fee or whatever it is worth it to you to feel more comfortable? And and I can't make that decision for you. No one's going to sit there. And if they try to tell you what you should do, then don't listen to them because there is no absolutes. It's really what it comes down to you. Um, and G23 says it doesn't stop the feeling from suing you. No, no. Now, it depends on where you are. It depends on where you are. There are some states that if you are not charged or you are acquitted from criminal charges, then you are exempt from civil charges. That Know your own state's laws and all of that. Each individual states are different, but there are some states out there that says if you are not charged or you're acquitted from criminal charges, then they cannot charge you civilly. Um, put you this way, guys, no matter what happens, whether you have insurance or not, we are ultimately all responsible for every round that comes out of our personal firearms. So if you're in that, this, in that, in that craziness that happens and you have to draw and you have to fire your weapon in self-defense, whether it's a legit clean shot or not, it's not, it's that's, that has nothing to do with it. Two things are going to happen. You're going to be handcuffed and you're going to be detained. I didn't say arrested. You will be detained to answer questions until they figure out what's going on. So if you fire your weapon, the best thing to do is unload it or whatever. Once the threat's done and the cops get there, unload it, head to the side, say, hey, I'm here. My firearm is over here. And understand, go ahead and stand up because you're probably going to be cuffed and taken at least into a squad car and ask questions. That's just the reality of it, guys. So don't give the police officers crap about, you know, you can't do this to me. Oh, yes, they can. Because until they are satisfied, you are a suspect of murder. Let's be real about it. Whether or not they already know what happened, they have to ask certain questions. They have to make sure that you did not murder someone. You pull a trigger, that's the reality. You're going to get questions. It is what it is. Um, Rod, our good friend Rod Gates out there says your firearm will be taken as evidence for quite some time. So maybe don't carry a three thousand dollar nineteen eleven. There you go. Um, let's see here. Kim Og. So Rod, when he was down in the Houston area, uh, he said in Harris County, Texas, we'll throw the. Kim Ong, the DA in Harris County, will throw your ass in jail for daring to defend yourself. Now, once again, that's a whole nother issue. If you live in an area where, like Clover was saying, is not necessarily as pro-gun as others, then once again, you just have to understand there are going to be circumstances and there are going to be repercussions anytime the trigger is pulled. Whether you are in the right, whether you're in the wrong, it makes no difference. Until they figure that out, you are going to be looked at I'm not saying as a criminal, but you're going to be looked at as a murder suspect. That's just the reality of it, until they are satisfied that that's not what it was. Um, just reality of it. So the insurance, like I said, that, that is 100% in your call. But if you have someone telling you absolutely get it or absolutely stay away from it, don't listen to them because it's got to be your decision. You're the one that's going to be paying that money. You're the one that's going to decide if that is worthwhile for you or not. So, that's my little rant on insurance. Um, so I want to bring Clover back in and ask him a question. We're going to kind of go as someone 
and I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to put down the variable of new gun owner, first time gun owner, never done anything. I'm just going to say someone that has made the mental decision to carry, because let's be honest, we've talked about this before. Carrying is more mental than it is physical. You have to make that mental decision that you're willing to be that warrior. You're willing to take that responsibility and all of that. Uh, but let's say someone has made that mental decision that they want to carry for whatever reason. And they have gone at this point and bought themselves XYZ firearm that they have chosen to be their concealed carry gun. And I'm even going to say they've already decided that whether they're going to carry inside the waist or outside the waist. They've already bought a holster for said gun, whether it's inside or outside. They've already made that decision. So they've already made the mental decision to carry. They've bought the firearm that they want to carry and the holster that they want to carry because those specific three things could be shows in themselves, multi-hour shows just in themselves. So let's say that's already happened, Clover. In your opinion, if someone was to ask you, hey, man, I've decided to carry, I bought the gun, I got the holster, what's the, what's the next step that they should take in your opinion? After they've done bought the firearm and the holster? Yeah. And they say, hey, I bought the gun. I got the holster. Like, what should I do next if I want to start carrying? Practice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great one. I mean, even if it's not, even if you're talking non-firing practice again, um, <clears throat> holstering, unholstering, um, you know, maneuvering with the firearm. Uh, you know, even if you're kind of going through your house with it, right. Um, holster, unholster, you know, close into the body is a big thing. I mean, if you, you know, if it's a situation where you pull, for example, I mean, you don't want to pull and go into this wide triangle, you know, isosceles weaver stance looking thing, you know, you want that gun. And unless you're firing that pistol, you want it to be fairly close into your body. Um, because you don't want somebody to come in from behind potentially and, and grab it or that kind of thing. So, uh, and, and again, trigger discipline, trigger discipline, trigger discipline. Yep. Man, I, I'm, I'm trying not to go down the hole with this, but this is an actually uh, a decent question, especially for Jason. Cause I know he's taking his CCW uh, test in class this weekend. He said active retention holster or open draw type. I'm going to carry outside the waist. I personally do not like retention holders, holsters. I like an open draw holster. Uh, do I have some um, level two, level three retention holsters? Yeah. Most of mine are not going to have any retention. The only retention they're going to have is retention that I have tightening it up inside the actual Kydex holster itself. It's going to be the retention coming in and out, but there's not going to be anything that you have to flip or push or anything like that. I don't like those. That's me. That's me. Now, that being said, um, I'll bring Clover here in a second and get his thoughts. That being said, if you feel more comfortable having like an alien gear or a safari land as you, as you go and take that, you push a button or whatever that retention process is, if that makes you more comfortable, then do it. And if anyone tells you not to, run from them and tell them to quit speaking to you. 
if you feel comfortable with a gun that has a thumb safety and a holster that has retention or whatever the criteria, that's you. You're the one who's responsible for those rounds. You're the one that's responsible for that gun. You're the one who's responsible. So you have to decide what you want. I will say that a lot of people, when they, especially when they first start off, like retention holsters because they're not used to carrying and they don't want. That's one of the things we're going to talk about later is, you know, the mindset. A lot of people, when they first start carrying, they want to touch it, make sure it's still there. You're going to know if that gun's not there anymore. You're going to have people who will say, I don't want people coming up behind me and taking it out of my holster. You're going to know if they're trying to take it out of your holster. And if you have reflexes at all, you should be able to stop that. But there are people, especially when they're new to carrying, that like the, the I don't know, the safety, I would say the satisfaction or the comfort. Not like this is comfortable, but the mental comfort of knowing that there's some retention, that it's not just someone can just pull it out. That's up to you. Clover, what say you about retention holsters? I think that there's something else probably going on in there and or somebody has some super stones if they're trying to take somebody's gun out of their holster. Just saying. Uh, at that point, they're within the proximity and so close to you. You should, like I said, something else is going on and you should be aware something else is going on you're already tussling and rustling around on the ground or you're already in a pushing shoving match with them or there, there's something going on, right? Um, just somebody running up out of the blue and grabbing your gun. I just don't was like, really, does that, does that happen? I don't, I don't know that it, it probably does, but I don't know that it happens that often. Um, you know, that said, as far as retention, do I have them? Yes. Do I like them? No, I don't. Um, you know, when you're talking about Kydex or even leather and you're talking about, um, the, you know, friction retention type, um, that's plenty enough for me. Now, if I was in some type of situation or job or going to do something that I was going to be break dancing or something like that, then, you know, maybe I would make that decision, but I will tell a story here one time, something embarrassing that happened to me one time. So I carry first small. Of all, first of all, if you're going to break dance, please film that Clover, please. Yeah. Please well, often it, film you'll, that. you'll never please. see that. So anyway, um, so I was, um, went to eat at a restaurant one time. I carry small of the back sometimes. And that particular time I was carrying small of the back again, no retention because it's a Kydex holster outside um, the waist. We're small of the back too. It is. No, it's inside. This was inside the waistband. Well, this small, one's inside the waist. Back. Okay. Yeah. This oh. one is my, yeah. My small of the back is, well, this particular one, right. Yeah, it's inside, inside the waistband, small of the back anyway. So anyway, uh, but I'm just wearing a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So I sit down and of course, small of the back, but of course the grip and all is, is up above my waistline. Right. Mm-hmm. So I sit down and you know how you have the backs on the chairs. It's not a full back, but it has the little yeah. slats. Right. Oh, so yeah, this restaurant, it. that was the, that was the chairs. Right. And so I sit down and unbe- unbeknownst to me, when I sit down now, I pay attention, especially if I'm wearing small of the back, I pay attention to how I sit down in a chair, but, uh, I always sit down and then scoot back rather than sit down and rub the you know back of the chair as I go down. Cause apparently I had rubbed the back of the chair when I went down and guess what? It caught just enough that it lifted my pistol out of the holster a little bit. The next time I got up, this was a buffet. The next time I got up to head to the buffet guess what happened guess what fell into the floor in the middle of the restaurant uh-huh. 
thank God it wasn't a SIG P320, but you know, um, yeah, that was a little bit embarrassing. Nobody really freaked out or anything. I mean, I snatched oh, it up where you live. Yeah. I snatched it up and holstered it pretty quick. I don't know, you know, how many people actually seen it, but, um, but it was embarrassing. Um, and so, yeah, now if I'm wearing some all the back, I'm, I'm definitely cognizant of the fact that, well, especially when I sit down that, Hey, it's back there. And so getting up is not a problem, right? It's the sitting right. down motion that I don't need to be rubbing anything with my back as I'm, as I'm going in a downward motion and I'll be, yeah. and I'll be fine. And you know, tightening up the retention on it. Honestly, uh, after that, I tightened up the retention on it pretty good as well, which, which helped. Yeah. Uh, Buck out there is, he's mentioned this a couple of times and I agree hundred percent, a good gun belt. And we'll sit there and think tactical belts and all of that. No, 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 no. It doesn't even have to be an actual gun belt. Now there are a lot of great companies out there that are making really good stir to hold and handle the weight of a gun and holster on that belt. Um, obviously those come in different, they come in leather, they come in the nylon, they come in different buckles, they come, you know, whatever you're looking for. But here's the thing. You don't have to go and buy a gun belt. You know, I would say if you can go find yourself a really good quality kind of a thick leather belt. Um, that would be a great one to start with. Understanding, just like a leather holster, but a leather belt over time will bend a little bit. It will get loose. It will not always be able to hold up to that weight over time. It might take years for that to happen, but it will. Um, but understand that you don't have to go and buy some tactical gun belt. Uh, go find yourself a belt that's going to be rigid enough, strong enough to hold the weight of that gun. Um, I can recommend some some companies out there that I've used. I've used Click Belts, uh, Core Essentials, um, Next Belts. I've used several different ones. Um, I know that. I had a leather belt that I got at Walmart that was just a thicker leather belt that was rigid that ended up working just fine. Clover, when it comes to belts, because that is part of, I think, if you're going yeah. to carry every day, a belt is important. What are some good things that you could tell people about belts? So, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. You can go with something cheap. So I got a belt that was less than 20 bucks. Um I don't have it anymore, um, but it was a it was a leather belt and it had some some like nylon inlay type stuff that was like camo or something if I remember correctly. But uh, anyway, it was a fairly thick belt. It was an inch and a half belt, which I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but got it at a farm and ranch store. I want to say it was a Wrangler brand, uh, but I know it was less than twenty bucks. And that thing, it was not pretty when I retired it right where my holsters rode it was worn and rough and it looked horrible um but um but it held up and it, and it worked fine so uh not a problem now i have since went into i like an inch and three quarter belt uh okay. it just it seems like there's more support especially with me i mean i open carry and i'm prone to do some heavier firearms and stuff yeah. and it, so there's there's just seems like there's less less flex or less give with that with that inch and three quarter to me uh it fits inside belt loops 
mm-hmm. fairly snug, most belt loops anyway, fairly snug um, so that you don't have a lot of up-down movement as well. Um, and so... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, no, I was, no, I was just, that's what I was going to say. As far as I've got several leather belts, uh, got one from star lever, one from craft holsters. Uh, and then I've got several nylon that are like from t- true spec. So they're two ply nylon with like a, an insert, uh, of some type in them, almost like a, uh, a kydex uh, or something. inside. Yeah, yeah. Almost like a kydex or something insert. Yep. Uh, and then for, a for a, uh, nylon belt, I guess they're nylon or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They're super rigid. Um, yes, and so most of the time I go to those simply because my leather belts have the holes with the buckle traditional thing. And those have a, like a double clasp loop over Velcro type quick do and undo yeah. design, um, which is just, it's, it's easier going to the bathroom and things like that with, with those belts, honestly. Uh, yeah. as silly as that sounds than it is with a leather belt. So, but if I'm yeah. looking nice and things like that, I'm going to go leather belt, obviously. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. My 99% of every day I wear, it's either a, a core essentials, probably my go-to, but core necks click. They've all, you know, they're all it's the same kind of belt. Um, but I have gone to the ratchet belts uh, the last couple of years. And I love ratchet belts just for that same reason is it's easy to take on and off. Uh, no matter, you know, they, they go by every like quarter of an inch sizing. So, I mean, you can get as snug or as loose as you want. Um, when it comes to belts, though, if you're out there and this is something that's new to you, Clover brought up the size, whether it's an inch and a half or an inch and three quarters. I prefer an inch and three quarters as well. But that's something that you also have to understand is when you're choosing a belt and a holster, if you're going to run an inch and three quarter belt, you need to make sure that the clip or whatever you're going to attach that holster to the belt is also an inch and three quarter. The worst thing you could probably do is have an inch and three quarter belt and an inch and a half clip. So make sure that you're making sure that the holster and the belt are going to be both an inch and a half or a bunch of inch and a quarter. What I would suggest doing, this is what I do, because most of my belts are inch and three quarter, but there are times I'll wear an inch and a half belt. Here's the thing. I'll always order my clips yep. for my holsters. Yep. Well, that's got a different one on there. Um, it, this has got my outside the waist thing on there. Uh, I will always order inch and three quarter clips because even if i'm wearing inch and a half belt i know that clip is going to be fine i'd rather have the clip too big than the belt too big where the clip won't attach to it so always be uh, aware of that so just make a decision i would say you're probably safe to always order your holster inch and three quarter clips either way but at least, you know, you could use a paddle holster or whatever. There's all sorts of different things. But if you're going to do inside the waist with these clips, just make sure you know what clip size you're getting and what belt you're running. Go ahead. Well, unless you're talking about a belt, honestly, unless you're talking I mean a belt, unless you're talking about a leather holster, right, that's that's yeah. sewn and made, um, most yeah. of your other holsters, whether it's Kydex or hybrid or whatever it might be, um, most of those, it's really easy to swap the clips. So my suggestion is go buy or, a bunch of clips. buy it however it comes, and then order extra clips in the in the next mm-hmm. size, 
Um, and a lot of the clips interchange, quite honestly. So once you have yeah, you go on Amazon and buy a bunch of them, if you want. Yeah. Once you have, I mean, I would say may, there might be a half a dozen different kind of clips, maybe. And once you have, you know, that those, you know, half a dozen different kind of clips, then you can mix and match and do whatever you need to do with your holster, depending on what you're wearing. The reason why they're different and the clips themselves aren't different. It's the configuration of the hole patterns that you screw into that. Right. That's what he's talking about is uh, worst case scenarios. You get your drill. If it's a Kydex holster and if your line, if your holes don't line up perfectly, do what you got to do. I've done that before as well. Uh, But yeah, there are different configurations, but you can buy different clips. You can probably go and find all four, five, seven on on Amazon and have them as backups because you never know what's going to happen. Your clip might break as well. It's always nice to have extra clips, but most most uh, holster manufacturers are going to have additional clips that you can buy for five, ten, fifteen dollars. And part of the reason they offer those which folks should be aware of too, is for how that holster rides. You may want that holster to ride higher or lower. That's going to require a different clip. It's just longer. The holes are in a different spot. So it's, it, it makes it ride high or low. Personally with me, when I, when I OWB, I like it fairly high. Yeah. Okay. Uh, OWB. I don't mind it high. uh, Yeah. On OWB. Um, I don't mind that at all. Um, actually I probably do prefer it higher, if I'm going to go outside the waist, um, for sure. Uh, for me, it's reason- less, for me, it's less bump. If it's, yeah. if it's higher, cause your hips tend to bump stuff, right? Your hips typically in the car, all sorts of different things. Even yeah. though I really don't have hips or butt or anything else, that's typically the widest part of your, your body. And so that's, what's going to hit door frames and different things. So if I'm riding higher, uh, it eliminates a lot of that. That's one of the reasons I like it. Yep, no doubt. Um, so we've gone into gun belts, uh, holsters to a certain uh, extent. I would say the next thing I want to talk about is whether, let's, let's just say you're in Texas right now and Governor Abbott has signed constitutional carry into effect. Uh, it is now a law, but it does not go into effect until September. Or you're out there and you're going to get your concealed carry permit and you might have to wait a month or whatever to receive it in the mail, whatever the case may be. If you've got a time in between now and then, it's not like you. there aren't things that you can do. Um, everyone's talking about practice, 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 and that's great. But practicing actually just carrying, whether it's loaded or not, carrying it around the house, um, we're carrying it in your car, whatever. Don't break any laws in your state, but um, utilize that time to carry, especially if you've never done it before, because it is going to be a different feel. It is going to be noticeable to you. You are going to have some anxiety with carrying. So if you've got a month or two months prior to you can legally carry with your license or your constitutional carry doesn't go into effect later on the year that doesn't mean that you shouldn't already go ahead and get that gun get that holster get that belt go to the range be proficient but when you're at home as soon as you step foot in that door carry it you're carrying around the house you're carrying in your car whatever 
carry because just the act of carrying is going to be new to you. And like I said earlier, I see people all the time in, in Walmart or whatever. You know, people, you, you can tell who the new people that are carrying are because they're going to be walking the aisle and they're constantly going to just check to make sure that gun's still there or they're adjusting because it's not comfortable or whatever the case may be. Uh, they're, they're fidgeting with their shirts to make sure it's staying covered up or whatever it could be. Get used to those things now. Utilize this time between now and when you get your license or your your state's constitutional carry goes into effect, whatever it is. Even if you're getting your license now, I would still, even if you're going to start carrying tomorrow, that's great. But when you come home, don't take that off your hip and put it down there until you're ready. Utilize your home. Utilize, take the take the, uh, the ammo out of the gun if you want, but walk around, get used to carrying. The last thing that I want to see people doing is fidgeting with their guns in in public it drives me nuts if you're not comfortable carrying then don't until you are comfortable or just quit fidgeting with it maybe it's a pet peeve of mine maybe most people don't even notice it for me it's just a pet peeve that people are always walking around they're touching it and they're they're putting their shirt making sure their shirt's covering all that stuff. You've got to get used to that. That's going to happen in time, but it only comes with practice. Uh, you got something you want to follow up with? Yeah, I've got it. I don't have it anymore. I had a bad habit mm-hmm. and I had some law enforcement friends. I can think of one that was highway patrol here in Texas. Um, and I picked it up from them, unfortunately, but be standing around talking and I would lean on my, I would literally my elbow. You know what I'm saying? I would lean on my firearm. I see, and I see people do that to this day. I broke myself from it, but I see other people doing that, it. Right? Uh, kind of like that. Yeah, you just like like, like it's like it's an armrest, literally. Absolutely, I and do that. Law, law enforcement, <laughs> law enforcement, law enforcement are bad to do that. I see lots yeah. and lots, and that's where I picked it up from. Quite honestly, it's natural because it's there. It's at my elbow. Like I said, I usually ride high outside the waistband, and so my elbows on it. And I'm like, okay, if I'm doing that. If somebody sees I'm touching that firearm, right? It's it's open carry, it's out, and I'm touching it. Is yeah. that giving the wrong impression maybe to somebody because I'm I'm touching it in some way? And I'm like, finally, I broke myself from it. Um, yeah. The easiest way to, for me to break myself from it was just wear t-shirts, and and I wear though I wear outside the waistband most of the time. I've got a t-shirt that's for the most part covering it, and so I don't I don't have a tendency to do that anymore. Yeah, and, and that brings up like Buck out there, just as you said, that says wear loose T-shirts or, or, you know, that's up to you. But I would say this, understand that when you make that decision to start carrying, one of the things that's going to change possibly is wardrobe. Not saying you're going to go from preppy to tactical. What I will say is that if you wear a 34-inch waist pant or short, you might have to go to 35 or 36 if you plan on carrying inside the waist. You've got to give room for that holster and all that. So the size of things, if you're worried about printing, me personally, I don't give a shit if I'm printing. I look at printing as as an excuse to have a conversation. If someone is freaking out because I'm showing my gun, then we're going to have a talk about it. We're not going to worry about printing. If you are worried about printing, understand you might want to, like Buck says, maybe a looser shirt or 
a Hawaiian shirt or a shirt with prints. You start wearing Hawaiian shirts or something, something that has a print on it because yeah. that will disguise the printing. There are a lot of things that you can do. Um, I just don't care about printing myself, but there are a little, especially when you start out, I get that. You may not want to, and, and it might be, you know, where I live, I would say that the vast majority of people do carry here. Uh, you might live in a place where you might be the very minority and you might not want to do that. Um, so that's up to you. But understand, wardrobe will probably change. If nothing else, the size of your pants maybe you have to go up an extra size if you're going to carry inside the waist. And that's okay. Um, but just understand that there are going to be some things in your wardrobe that may have to be adjusted. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, you know, that's where uh, – and, and they do offer – you know, like concealed carry jeans that have uh, adjustment and flex in the waist. Uh, but a lot of your quote unquote tactical pants, I don't even like calling them that honestly, but cargo style pants. Um, a lot of those have, you know, flex in the, you know, in the waist. So you can, you can have that normal fit, um, you know, when you're not carrying, right? So you take your holster out and they, they fit like normal because it would be, it would be aggravating for me, um, and you know I have made the switch, and not for anything having to do with carrying, but I've made the switch. I don't wear jeans anymore, um, and that's one of the things I love about um, you know quote unquote tactical pants or cargo pants is you know I will get the ones with that flex, and they fit right. It doesn't matter if I'm carrying or not carrying, if it's inside the waistband or outside the waistband or not at all. They fit right. And not only do they fit right, they have more flex in other places as well. Um, well so they're just comfortable. Yeah, I remember about a year or two uh, when you had that aha, you literally called me and it's like I never understood it. Like, what the big deal with the tack pants were? Because you were always a jeans guy. Yeah, I never understood it. Now I get it. They're just more comfortable and there's more room. Oh, like, right? They oh, are God. more comfortable than jeans. So it was a progression, I think, for me, man. I love pajama pants, right? Love oh, yeah. pajama pants. And it's just because of the freedom. Well, um, you know, they're loose, well, they're baggy. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. They're right. they're loose. They're loose fitting, you know what I mean? Plenty of movement and everything else in them. Uh, and they're just comfortable. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I mean, I got, you know, a pair, I think I got a pair sent for T and E or something. If I, true if spec, I, yeah, I think I think it was the first pair of True Spec, and yeah. I was like, it was just, it was all over after that. I was like, yeah. no, it well, it wasn't, it wasn't. That no. True Spec came after the fact. No, I was again. I won't get into the personal issues as to why, but I had some personal issues, mm-hmm. and just with those jeans and being binding and. Oh, Not you went flex movement, did you? And I went to the. I was. I was asking you questions about them, and yep. because you you've worn them stuff like that for so long, and yep. I went to the Army Navy store and tried because you, you could try them on there, and I went That's to right. the Army Navy store and I bought two pair that day of True Spec yep. at the at the Army Navy store. I was cheap, just from the time I cheap, got in them. By the way, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, I guess, bit. um. But uh, the the cheapest pair of cruise bags you could get anyway. Right. Um, they were good. But um, yeah, and I mean, I I um, yeah, I've been sold on them ever since. But I mean, I found some um, 
some similar cargo pants uh, that Wrangler makes that you can pick up at Walmart. And uh, you talk about some from Gauls that are not too terribly I expensive. I love Gauls. Yeah. Gauls um, and I would say the Magellan stuff from Academy has some really good ones as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you don't got to go straight up tactical like True Spec or 511 or something like that. You mm-hmm. can, you know, there's plenty of options out there. No, I wear a lot of galls uh, during the wintertime and all that. I wear galls, and you can find those for 20, 25 bucks. I've got some that are yeah. probably four or five years old that are still in just as good as can, you wouldn't be able to tell if they were four or five yeah. years old. They're, just, they're, they're really well, well made. That was my that was my misconception, right? Because oh, yeah. I I used to wear in in another life, right? Uh, mechanic and mm-hmm. uh, when I worked at grocery stores, stuff like that, I had to wear slacks. Sure. And those things, you hang on something, they'd rip. I mean, it was just, they were horrible, yeah. right? Well, cargo pants and or tack, tack pants, are yeah. just, they're way, way more durable. And so that yeah. was my concern and why I've always worn jeans. I'm like, you know, I've always worn jeans because they're just, that jean material is, denim is just way tougher than slacks are, right? Oh, um, yeah. And that's what I thought. I thought, okay, I'm going to buy these, um, you know, I'm going to buy these these pants, right? Cargo pants, tactical, whatever. You know, and if I get a year out of them, I'd be lucky. If I get a month without ripping a hole in them, I'd be lucky. And I've been through the briars. I've been rolling around on the ground, working, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And I've still got every single pair I've ever purchased in there. Now, some of them are stained and dirty, but not a single pair. Yep. This is what's crazy. Not a single pair has a rip. Now, if I had bought jeans at the same time as them, I oh, would yeah. have already worn the knees out. I would have already ripped the crotch. My wife would have already had to sew and patch is what I'm That's telling you true. with jeans, but with the pants, not so much. So if you're out there and you are a jeans guy um, and you're thinking about trying some out and your reasoning is, well, denim is a whole lot tougher. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> look, at, look into it because that's not true. Yeah, Carhartt's got some good stuff. Like Smeggy says, uh, I've got some LA police gear stuff that and Buck says he's got two pair of them. LA police gear actually has like denim pants as well. Uh Vertex, Rich White. I've got a pair of Vertex. I love those things. Um, but yeah, there's most of the pant companies now, 511, True Spec, and all these, they're going to have uh what they call concealed carry jeans as well, or tactical jeans that if you like that denim. Um, but they're going to have different things that will be maybe better made or a different kind of material that may look like denim, but may not right. always, you know, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but yeah, there's some great stuff out there, but um, yeah, it's just one of those where, um, you know, me, I mean, when it comes, when it gets down to November, November through March, I wear my my combat my cold weather combat boots and some kind of tack pants every day with fleecer hoodies that's just how i roll they're comfortable um all sorts of stuff yeah but yeah but that doesn't mean you have to to wear that that's just something that i i like wearing they're comfortable to me um but some people say oh that can't be comfortable just try them just try them that you never know uh let's go back up here guns and barbecue says uh his wardrobe changed completely when uh, he started carrying. He used to wear gym shorts and cutoffs almost daily. It's hard to keep your gym shorts up with a 1911 on your hip. True that. I will say that if you're a person that likes wearing gym shorts or or runs or is active, um, people are going to laugh at you, but fuck them. They can laugh all they want. Um, belly holsters with the belly bands. 
you can still use with a belly band holster underneath your t-shirt and your gym shorts if you want to carry that way there are it's kind of like a small girdle looking thing but it'll have a thing for your gun that you a holster you can put your holster or your gun in there so you can still run you can still work out you can still wear gym shorts if whatever lifestyle that you have there is usually a holster or some kind of clothing <laughs> excuse me in our industry now that are, that are going to be suited for you now I can't say that five, 10 years ago. I can say that no matter what you typically like to wear, there is going to be something in our industry, a company out there somewhere making what you like to wear that will be able to carry a gun with. Uh, that's a great thing about technology. And that's a great thing about innovation and all of that. Uh, Foss out there says, uh, in everyday life, most people don't notice if you're printing. They're more concerned about what they're doing. That's what I'm saying. That's what's my pet peeve is, is if you're printing, cool. I don't care about printing, but the whole touching the gun and fidgeting. Most people, if you're worried about people noticing that you're carrying a gun, you have to get over that. 99.99999% of people in your everyday life are not walking around looking at your right hip or your left hip to see if you're carrying a gun. They're, they've got other things that they're going to be walking around Walmart trying not to bump their cart into something. They don't care. But if you keep on touching that gun, you keep on adjusting, you keep on tugging that shirt down, they may not know it be a gun, but they're going to sit there and say, that dude's acting weird. Like, why is he always like in that one spot? Keep touching that one spot on his hip or keep pulling his shirt over that one spot. What's he hiding? So that's that's one of my big pet peeves. That's why that is, because don't bring attention to yourself. Most, like Foss says, whether you're printing or whatever, most people are not walking around trying to find, look and find people that are carrying guns. They're just not doing it. So don't worry about that. The less discreet that you can be, or the more discreet that you can be, the less fidgety that you can be, most people aren't going to notice, nor will they care. Um, that's my rant on that. But it is. It, it is hard to break uh, a habit and all of that. Uh, Smeggy says there's a shirt from Vertex that has an undershirt at the bottom half. You can tuck it in. So that's there, there's a lot of those, and there's a lot of companies that are making kind of like uh, compression shirts, if you will, that you can wear as an undershirt. Be sleeveless if it's hot and all that. You don't have to wear this big thing, but usually they're sleeveless and like compression shirts. But there's like a pocket right in there. So if you wear a t-shirt or whatever, you know, and, and you can have it right there. If you if you if you're it's going to sound weird. Um, if you wear slacks, like and you have to wear a suit or whatever, and you don't want an ankle carry or you don't want to um, shoulder carry underneath your, 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 your coat or whatever, uh, but you're wearing a, a, a nice shirt and tie or you know button-down shirt and slacks and you can't find a holster that isn't going to print, you can find these. They're, they come in white, gray, black, whatever, but they're basically undershirts, but they're kind of compression, but you wear them underneath your shirt and all you got to do is just lift up and there's a little pocket here you can put you know subcompact gun in, in there there just sits right there on your belly or on your side or whatever but there's some really cool innovative stuff out there go ahead so now you brought up a good point when you're talking about undershirts um yeah since i've started carrying i wear some type of undershirt uh almost all the time um you know even with open carry because like i said open carry typically I've got a t-shirt on and, and even though I'm open carrying my t-shirt will come down over it. 
Um, and so I still want something between me and the firearm. Um, so yeah, your, your athletic style shirts, the Under Armour shirts, or even, even a simple wife beater. I mean, seriously, I mean, just something, something to go in between you and the, uh, and the firearm, uh, especially if you live out, you know, you live in Texas or any place where it gets hot. <laughs> um, it can yep. be, it can be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm always wearing a t-shirt underneath. Um, yeah, uh, it, it might be a sleeveless one or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll either have one of those, like, you know, just a normal, what they call undershirts on, or I'll have a moisture wicking kind of, uh, under armor type shirt underneath whatever I'm wearing. But yeah, um, for the reason only is friction. Um, I don't want that holster, that gun or whatever to be rubbing on me and my love handles and all of that. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. Um, we're right there at an hour and a half. Is there anything that you want to bring up, whether it's a do or a don't for someone out there that might be going this weekend or might be looking for September in Texas to start carrying with constitutional Anything that we haven't touched on that you really want to throw out there, which whether it's a do or a don't for someone who's new to carrying? So I think this goes general and, and across the board, but um, if, if you've got somebody, whether it's online, whether it's in person, mm-hmm. um, and they speak in definitives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nod your head, smile, whatever, and walk away. Um, because, you know, when we talk about, you know, carrying, when you talk about firearm ownership, when you talk about, you know, all these different, there's so much nuance, depends on your perspective, depends on your experience. It depends on where you live. It depends. It depends. It depends. It depends. And if somebody's out there just, and and I do it sometimes and I have to backtrack, uh, where, you know, it happens. And so if you're dealing with a person that's accidentally done it, uh, usually the conversation will continue and they'll correct themselves. Uh, but if they're wagging a finger, talking down and speaking in definitive smile, nod your head, whatever, turn around, walk hey, away. Hey, thank you. Appreciate the, the yeah. knowledge. Walk yeah. And then, and then go seek out other sources of information and, and whatever, because some of the stuff they may be telling you may be valid stuff, but they're, if they're presenting it as that is absolutely unequivocally, the only option period, blah, 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 blah then yeah they're they yeah they may have ulterior motives or whatever the case may be like maybe they want to sell you some stuff or exactly um if you ask someone's opinion on something and they take the same attitude of their opinion is the gospel same thing run not the caveat it right say this is just my opinion absolutely but yeah, I agree. But yeah, there's a lot of people that, like I said, yeah. I mean, if, if they come and say, hey, this is my opinion. This is what I think. You can take this for what you want to. But if they sit there and say, hey, what do you think is the best holster? You better not get anything besides an alien gear or nothing besides a clinger or whatever. Whoa. Yeah. Easy, and even easy. if I even if I talk trash, I mean, I you know, because mm-hmm. we've all been that way. We, we've all had people that go. Well, that head guns the worst ever, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, I've had one for 20 years and I've never had a minute's yeah, trouble probably. out of it, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm guilty of saying, 
Well, I've I've had those and they're just gone. ATN, for example, ATN thermal, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Horrible, horrible experience. We'll never buy another one. Blah 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 blah. But there's people out there that have them and have never had a day's worth of trouble. So, yeah, um, and I, my buddy's got a Thor, and I love that thing. You know, I must run them for a while, but yeah. you're like, eh, you know, <laughs> right? But again, it, it are they? You know, are they flat out telling you no? It's garbage. Yeah. End of story. Or are right. they saying, hey, here's my experience and it sucks and I hate them and here's why. That's but, right. you know, and if you, you know, and if you want to take a risk, you know, if somebody's telling you the specifics of something, right, they don't like a holster and here's why X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada. Well, if X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada applies to you, yep. well, then that's where not, that's why going the extra mile and not being a person that speaks in definitive is, is helpful. Because you're not being helpful by just telling somebody, oh, that holster's trash. But right. if you say, hey, I hate those holsters. Here's why. Yada, 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 yada. And that person wants to do yada, yada, yada. Then they know that they may want to look elsewhere. Maybe they don't go down the road of, of buying that holster. Yeah. Now, Buck out there says, don't be scared to ask questions. Absolutely. Ask questions. Now, kind of going into holsters and all of that. There is something that you can do that um, might help in your choices and all of that, or your clothing or belts or whatever. If you know someone in your life that carries and they're basically the same size, height, weight, kind of build you are, that might be the first person you might want to go and say, hey, we're built a lot of the same way, uh, about the same size. What has worked for you? Because I'm thinking about doing this now. Obviously, you don't take the, their opinion as a gospel either, but they've kind of probably already worked through some of the issues that you might have to work through. If excuse me, if you're similarly sized, the same build, you're going to carry the same position, whatever, and you know someone that might be someone will be a really good um, resource for you as well. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, people shape is all different, so. You know, if, if I'm telling you what I like as a, as a holster, but you're 6'3", 225, probably not going to like it. Or like Smeggy, if you're 6'3", and 127 pounds, probably going to be different than what I'm, who's not 6'3", and not 125 pounds. Um, but yeah, that, that's just something that you might want to find someone that kind of looks like you and is built like you and say, Hey, you know, you've been carrying a while. What are some stuff that uh, that you've run into problems, or, or some of the stuff that you you've had to kind of go through? Because there'll be good resources for you for sure. Um, if there's if there's any questions out there in the chat, like I said, we've kind of gone to the point where we've talked about what we want to talk about. If there's questions out there that you want to know, feel free to throw them out there. And um, if not, then we'll we'll cut this thing off early tonight which is awesome, but I don't want to leave if there's someone out there that has actually has questions that want to be asked. So if you're out there uh, and Smeggy, you know, Smeggy came in a little bit late and that's cool, but he said, don't get flimsy gun belt, uh, gun belts. <laughs> yeah. We've been through belts uh, extensively for a while. Um, there's no such thing as the right holster. There's no such thing as the right belt. There's no such thing as the right gun. That is all something you're going to have to figure out. Go ahead. One thing we didn't really hit on was, you know, type of carry, right? Um, True. Once again, that could be 
itself. Yeah. Oh, it can, but I just want to bring this up in case there are yeah. people out there. There's a lot of people that pocket carry and mm-hmm. teach their own and whatever I understand. Um, now I've got a little North American arms, 22 mag revolver. And of course it's single action. Um, and I do carry it pocket carry with no holster, but depending on what you're carrying, um, I would highly advise some type of a pocket holster, uh, you know, a neoprene sleeve type thing or, or something like that. Uncle Mike's even. Yeah. People um, slam on yeah. Uncle Mike, but it's worth it. It's something. Yeah. Better than nothing. Yeah. And, and make sure that you're not carrying anything else in that pocket other than your, your firearm. Great. If you're going to pocket carry as well. Great point. Um, <clears throat> I've got videos on this. I'm sure you've got videos on this over the years. Oh, I don't. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I've, I've got videos on this round in chamber or not. I'm going to preface this by saying yes in the chamber, mm-hmm. but we can have this discussion. <sighs> Who am I to tell someone they shouldn't? You know, yep. I prefer personally that, but if you, if, if you don't want to, that's on you. And Hey, that that's, there are a lot of things that could go wrong with that. There are a lot of things that you're going to have to practice more, but if that's what you choose to do, that's you, man, that is absolutely you. But I'm going to tell you, uh, Israeli, Israeli carry is a mistake. I think that's a move that a lot of newbies make. And I, and so I don't, and I don't say newbies being mean. Um, but I, I think that, and because I, I think that's an anxiety thing. I think it's a, they you know, safer. absolutely. Yeah. No. And so I, I think as you, as you carry more, I think you, you know, you get a little more comfortable with all that. You, you, you learn, especially, especially if you're new to firearms and you're new to carrying both at the same right. time. Oh, right. Yeah. Like if, if you're a lifelong firearm owner, then probably you're going to carry with a round in the chamber because you know that inherently firearms are pretty doggone safe. <laughs> Even yeah. if they don't have a manual thumb safety and all of that, they have all sorts of safety mechanisms, right? So again, keep right. your finger off the trigger and odds are it's not going to go bang. Um, yeah. But uh, but I can get if you're new to firearms in general and you're new to carrying, I can get it, the, the anxiety. And if that's what it takes, I'd rather you do that than not carry at all. Uh, if nothing else, you've got something. If nothing else, you've got something fairly heavy you can hit somebody with is the way I look at it. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, I would say you'll carry like that, but I would encourage you to practice, train, get more comfortable and work up to a point or you know, maybe you got to find the right firearm that you're comfortable with, right? Carrying that way. Um, that's a, that's a potential too. Well, and there's something to be said about that. Um, I, you know, it's funny to me and you hear people all the time. I hate that gun because it has a manual thumb safety on it. Why do you hate that gun? Just don't use dude, the safety if you don't like it, you know, dude, um, <laughs> it's, it's not a, uh, it's not uh, you know, carrying without a round in the chamber. But if I carry a 1911 uh, style handgun, whether that's my Colt Mustang or whether it's, um, you know, you know anything that's, that's single action, right? Sure. Uh, obviously, my Beretta 84 is, is double action, so you know, hammered down. But I'm not carrying with hammer back. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And and it's not that I don't 
It's not that I don't trust the safety. It's that I don't trust myself in moving around or doing this or doing that, that I accidentally knocked that safety off. Um, yep. And so if you carry a 1911 locked and cocked with the safety on, and that's what you, you do, you bro, I don't have a problem. Uh, yep. But me, um, you know, I'm going to have to carry a 1911. I know I'm going to have to fan the hammer when I come out with it. I'm going to have yep. to. You know, and, and the whole safety thing was is if that makes you comfortable and caring with having a, a manual thumb safety, I'd rather you have that than not carry. Um, but if someone tells you don't buy that gun because it's a thumb safety, don't use it if you don't want to use it. Right. That doesn't make the gun a piece of shit gun. Um, well, I, would, I would rather you carry a gun that has a thumb safety on it and that allows you mentally to carry one of the chamber than the other way around. Well, if so, you know, I would rather you have a thumb safety gun, if that means that you'll feel safe enough to carry one in the chamber by flipping that safety, as long as you're practicing drawing and as you're presenting, flipping that safety off or however you're going to do it. But right. uh, once again, it comes down to let, don't listen to what people sell. If they work talking absolutes, they say that gun is trash because of this. If it's trash because it's had a history of failing, or blowing up or causing harm sure if they're saying it's a piece of trash because there's a thumb safety on there right walk away from them you know go ahead no what i was going to say is the same as my thing with the 1911 just in reverse if you're talking about a thumb safety just to play devil's advocate i guess yeah because i think i think most people's argument is with the thumb safety, it's the same thing. I mean, in doing stuff, is there a chance that you throw that thumb safety on by accident and then you, you pull out and it, oh crap, the safety's gotten on somehow, right? Um, mm. But I also think, now to back off of Deadpool's Advocates for a minute, um, I think that if you're carrying something that has a manual safety, mm. um, I think that needs to be part of your training, whatever, is making sure when you come out, oh, you know, really? You're you're making sure that safety is off, right even there. if you even if you keep it off, right? Even if you keep it off, which I do with my Beretta 84 all the time, it's ready to go. It's double action, right? So I don't, you know, I don't have to keep it locked and cocked. Um, when I pull out, I can go double action with it, but I got to make sure that safety's off, right? And so that's part of carrying that is just when I come out with it to make sure that safety's off. That way, I do have the double action when I come out with it. Absolutely. No doubt. Once again, it, 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 whether you carry with a safety on or not one, the chamber, it's going to add an extra step in your process. But if you practice that enough and you become proficient that once again, what Clover said, and I said, I would much rather you carry however you want to carry than not carry at all. So you do how you need to do it. And don't let anyone tell you that you're wrong. If that's how you're going to do it, and that's the only way that you feel comfortable in carrying, do it. Just make sure you're practicing. Just make sure you're practicing. Um, Rich White, let's see. He says, I was taught semi-auto handgun shooting with 1911s. I thumb off the safety even if the gun doesn't have one. It's just part yeah. exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. That's just the way it goes. Well, the beauty for me is I've got, a vast amount of experience for decades, I guess at this point mm -hmm. with the brining buck mark. And right. so it has a manual safety. 
which is also kind of doubles as a thumb rest. <laughs> and if your thumb's resting on it, it's off. <laughs> so I've got that muscle memory field dexterity. If you're talking about a right-handed, you know, thumb safety uh, already to kind of, when I grab something, my thumb is there, my thumb realizes it's there and, and makes that downward motion. Now, Rod wants to know what's the safety you guys are talking about. There you go. He's a Glock guy, so he doesn't know what safeties are. So Finger off the trigger. That's the number one. Hey, there you go. Finger off the trigger is the best safety out there for sure. Um, any more questions out there from anyone that might be uh, having anything or even comments, not even questions. If you have a comment, something that we haven't touched on that you think might be important to someone that's new to carrying, whether it's open or concealed, uh, makes no difference to me. Go ahead and let that that out there because um, I'm definitely not the definitive uh, resource on caring. Um, I never claim to be. It is a passion of mine. It's a passion for this channel, but I'm always learning as well. And there are podcasts that I listen to and people that I listen to that um, definitely help me out. What's I've, gotten, I've gotten so many comments uh, through you know, text constitutional carry stuff. You need to do a video on, you know, best practices for carrying and this and that. And every time I'm like, Hey, here's a link to a pretty good channel for that. And I link your channel. It's like, I don't, dude, I want to shoot revolvers and lever guns, right? I don't want to do a care a video on everyday. Carry. I've done some everyday carry pocket dumps and I've done some of your drills of the month and I've done some different things, but sure. that's not, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to turn into a concealed carrier. It is, open it is the same thing that I get people asking me to do ah. videos on revolvers or 22s yeah. or shotguns or bolt taxi. Hey, I got a channel that you right. just not like it. I'll right. say, go Good check Lord. out. And sometimes I'll even go over to your channel and find that exact video. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll go to your channel and say, um, you know, bolt action. A search just in your channel for bolt action. And I'll, I'll pick a, a one of them and say, all right, here's a great video that you need to go watch and, and put that and all that. So, yeah, <laughs> right. like, yeah. I, I, get, I get rashes when you start talking revolvers and bolt uh, action. I, I, I'm allergic to I that shit. It. I could talk it. Obviously, we've talked it here for nearly yeah, two hours. I could, I could talk mm -hmm. it, but do I want to? Do I really want to go out on a range of the Texas heat and shoot some kind of video on, you know, my tips for Not open much. carry that, you know, eventually it might get around to it or whatever, but there's a lot of stuff that, that are much higher on the list than that. Unfortunately. Well, see joint G 23 is calling us out. He said, I would disagree with finger off the trigger is number one. It's uh, using your brain is number one. I, I guess so, but sure. sure. But if you, if, I guess, using your brain was that training yourself to keep your finger off the trigger when you're not, you know, I don't know. I think they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Is it, is it chicken or the egg? You know, yeah, chicken or the egg. Yeah. Um, the last thing I do want to touch on um, that I just thought about because it, for me, I and I'm sure that you're the same way. Most people out here. It's second nature now. We don't really think about it anymore. Um, but I'll tell you this, and it's not something that you're, that you're going to have to worry about doing. It's going to happen. Um, I think people that carry do two things. One, they are much safer. Um, they, they think about safety more on a daily basis. 
But more importantly than that, I think that they're naturally <clears throat> going to start getting better situational awareness. Uh-huh. And that is a huge thing. You're going to find yourself looking for different things. And yep. when you go to a restaurant, um, I'm never going to have my back to the door. I'm going to know where exits are. And it sounds, and it's not, people are going to say, that, oh, that just sounds weird. It sounds like you're paranoid. No, it's not. It's just being prepared. And it's, it's your situational awareness when it comes to caring, even if you're not caring, guys. Yep. Being situationally, situational, situationally aware is going to put you in a better position to just yep. in regular everyday life, whether you're carrying a gun or not. It makes no difference, no matter what your job is. Yep. You should be aware of everything that's going on around you, at least to a certain extent. And if someone keeps you, catches your eye, say, "I'm not going to stare at that guy," but that guy in the purple shirt until that guy leaves. Something about him irks me. I'm going to know exactly where that guy is until he leaves. Uh-huh. I, it sounds weird, but you, you'll find yourself. And like I said, you don't have to think about it. I think most people, when they start caring, their situ- situational awareness rises just naturally, I think. Don't you think? Yeah. No, I, I think so. I, I think that's a great point. Um, the caring is not a Caring is to me is not a solution. Um, caring is you know a last ditch, last resort type thing. Um, your your first priority is never be in this in the situation in the first place. That's right. And you got to have situational awareness to do that. It's kind of like I talked about with risk management, right? On the uh, on the insurance side of things, there's there's many 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 times that I don't carry. When I went to Talladega, I didn't carry. Yep. Um, and I don't know that I've, I've said that publicly, but I didn't. And I didn't even feel the need. We don't care when we go to shot show. I, I didn't yeah. feel the need. Uh, I never once felt I was in danger. Why? Yeah. Because I didn't stop in bad parts of town. Right. Uh, I was situationally aware. I didn't stop in unlighted areas. I was cognizant of people that was around me. Um, you know, I check, check all the boxes, right. For situational awareness. And so, you know, I never once felt naked or alone or, you know, threatened or uncomfortable or in trouble. Um, there at certain places, I get it. Okay. So I don't want to stereotype or make it a general statement, but I think that, I think that the world tells us media tells us there are instructors that tell us this. There are certain YouTube channels that tell us this, that, Oh, this world is just such a dangerous place. And really it's not a dangerous place. There are, there are areas. Sure. I get it. But the vast majority of people, literally I can travel from here to freaking Alabama and back. Right. And I never once got into a situation, felt uncomfortable that I was in an unsafe area or my life was in danger or anything else. Right. Now, granted, I was all along I-20. I was at truck stops and I was at a you know range. And then even the hotel I stayed in, while it wasn't the greatest place, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't terrible. It's not like uh, the one budget and <laughs> roll call stopped at that time. Um, yeah. Right. So, um yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't view the world as this place that's just went so downhill and it's in the dumper and dangers around every corner. Uh, but again, 
it's situational awareness, right? That's and so um, I think that's that's the number one thing. If if you're not working on your situational awareness or already a person that practices that on a regular basis, then maybe we start carrying a gun. Maybe <laughs> hone in on that before you carry a gun because that's going to actually keep you safer. To be honest, yeah, um, because that's going to keep you out of the situation. Now, the other thing that you mentioned, you mentioned the guy, the you know, the shifty guy or whatever. The other thing yeah. with situational awareness, which may or may not be part of it, is I call it being a, a student of humanity. It's being mm -hmm. able to read people's mannerisms and and sure. other things. And so, if somebody's acting weird or whatever, here's the other thing with me, and, and I, I feel like I've talked forever. Um, you have is okay. yeah is um, and I, I've said this a bunch of times. I'm not the savior of the world. I'm not the, the Avenger or Superman or whatever. I carry for myself and my family. I don't carry to save everybody in the supermarket. That's and and that's cruel to say. But if I if didn't you, say that, if, if I did not say that, I would be I would be dishonest. If right? you saved everybody in that supermarket it's only because you were ending that threat to save you and your family's life. Right. Just happen to be saved as well. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, I hear you. Uh, I get a question all the time. Like, you know, if you're at the gas station and someone pulls a gun, what are you going to do first? Depends. Where am I? What's the situation? Is there someone else with, with me that's there? If my wife or my daughter or someone of friends with me, I'm going to get them to safety. Um, if I choose to come back into the fight, that's a whole other issue. But the first thing I'm going to do is make sure that my loved ones are safe. Right. That's before I do anything. It's not my job to put that guy down. Now, if I feel like that guy is going to hurt me or my family or whatever, then it's a whole different issue. If I have an opportunity to put a guy down that could hurt other people and I've taken care of my family and friends or whatever the situation is, and I feel that not only me, but everyone else is in danger and I have a shot, that's a whole different issue. I, I I don't know. I mean, I train a lot. I practice a lot. But I the answer is is I don't know. If you're if I would like to tell you what I'll do, but I don't know. I've never been in that situation. And God, I hope that I never am in that situation. Yeah. No no joke. Yeah. If you're at the if you're at the let's say the automotive center of Walmart, right? Mm -hmm. And you're with your with with your wife or whatever, your daughter or your son getting a car battery, whatever the case may be, right? And shots ring out. Well, the door is 20 foot away. We're gone. We're gone. Yep. Period. Now, yep. if I'm at the speedy checkout up front and the guy walks in right with, an, with an AK and starts spraying lead, you know, Definitely. I probably, I probably put them down behind the counter. Right. Yep. And I, and I engage at that point. But that's yep. that's two totally different situations, and that may the first one may sound cruel, but it's just the way it is. That's right. Um, almost that two hour mark, man. A half hour ago, we were like, "Hey, anything left?" And once again, sure. you and I have figured out a way right. to talk for right a half hour. Right, man. Uh, I love it. No, it's all good. Um, let people know who where they can find you. Um, any projects you got coming up? I know you've got uh, a cool, uh, we talked about earlier, but you've got a really cool guest coming on uh, tomorrow, I think at four o'clock. Is that right? Four o'clock? Mm, yeah, five Eastern, four Central. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Tell people they can find you, all that good stuff, projects, all that. 
clovertack.com and then that'll get you to youtube and any of the other good lord i don't know three or four dozen platforms i'm on um shout out you know i, I guess while we're doing this to firearm fanatic if you haven't checked out that platform uh they relaunched um it's been around for a long time quite a while um and it's it's similar to a Facebook. I mean, you can play games on there even and, and do all kinds of stuff uh, with this new relaunch. But yeah, they've had a a pro firearm social media platform for a while. They did a a relaunch, a revamp, an upgrade, if you will. Uh, and it's it's even better. It's it's pretty cool. So go check that out, especially if you're a creator. Um, man, there's nothing wrong with creating accounts and pages and and um, getting your brand and your presence out in more places so uh go check them out it's firearm fanatic fanatic with a k i think f-a-n-a-t-i-k i think absolutely um get rachel coming on it's at four o'clock central five eastern um let's see here get the studio come up thursday night yeah and, and we i got a i got an email earlier um from a creator that asked us to discuss. We've talked about it before. It's kind of like this show, right? Like you recycle stuff. Uh, But uh, wanting us to talk about monetization. So I hadn't thought about talking about that, but, and we've talked about it before, but I've got Mm -hmm. a creator out there asking about it. So we may dive back into that and talk about some monetization stuff. Absolutely. That'd be interesting as well. Um, Always interesting to hear people's thoughts on monetization some people even though they have monetization they don't monetize i don't monetize any of my live streams. i know you don't do that either Uh, there are certain videos that i put out now that i know are going to come back yellow so at this point i don't even worry about monetizing i just you know turn the monetization off of that video and honestly i have not seen this is going to go against what a lot of YouTubers want you to believe. I have not actually, I've seen the opposite. I have some videos that I've put out in the last few weeks that do not have, that I did not turn monetization off that are doing better than videos with monetization on. So if they're out there, if they're out there telling you, Oh, well, if they're not monetized, YouTube's not going to push them. Um, I was watching a video. I think it was from VidIQ. And whether or not this is true, I don't know. You might know more about this when you talk about this tomorrow, Thursday night. Right. But apparently his contact, and they're big enough, they actually have a contact and, and a representative at YouTube says that the algorithm does not know whether it's the video is monetized or not when it talks about pushing That's it correct. out there suggestion. So That's if correct. anyone out there says, well, if your stuff's not monetized, YouTube's not going to push it. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. The monetization thing um, is interesting. So looking forward to that conversation as well. Go ahead. Yeah, the the no, yeah. There's there's multiple algorithms. First of all, that's what well, a lot sure, of people yeah. don't understand. And yeah, the search and discovery algorithm is completely devoid of any communication with monetization. The algorithms and stuff dealing with that are totally separate thing. Totally separate team. Um, yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, there was something I was going to, oh, you know, interesting thing. I, I put out a, uh, a early release video today to YouTube channel members and Patreon patrons. And I got mm-hmm. called on an error in that video. So 
I haven't had to do this yeah. in a while, but I actually, I actually went back and, and had to do a little bit. I had to edit about five seconds out of the video to correct the error, but, uh, uh shit, I guess. Yeah. Then I'll, I'll have to republish. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, it, it's only about a five seconds I had to cut. And so, uh, yeah, if you're out there, if you're a Patreon patron and you're a YouTube channel member, you've got a special version of that video right now because when it releases public, it won't have that error. So, so I would what say, you're telling me is now I have to go watch both fucking videos to figure out the five no, seconds. No, because as soon as I publish the other one, I'll probably pull the old one down. Um, so what I'm saying is if you're a Patreon patron or YouTube channel member and you have access to that right now, um, go see if you can figure out the, the error in that. Okay. I'll have to go do that. Because I'm all about making you, you know, right. make fun of you for being wrong. Right. What's up, Andrew? Snob. Hey, snob, just like I was a couple well, weeks ago with your chat. I came in after, like, right as y'all are hitting the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn the chat off. I jumped right. in. What's well, up, technically, snob? it's not my problem. It's kind of like that uh, Axion Lumens thing or whatever. Uh, it was a something on their on a website uh, a uh, product website that i had somebody say something about it and i went and looked and what it says on the website mm -hmm. and the reality of the situation are two different things so there you go it's like yeah yeah hmm. and i don't want the troll comments that's liable to come from it <laughs> so then they will people. come oh getting back on to i know you were trying to close out here I'm trying to get the fuck out of here, but go. Let's, let's go yeah, ahead. well, you're more up to speed on a lot of the insurance because you actually have an old video where you covered a lot of that. So G23 earlier was was he, he posed something to me out there in the chat, and he mm -hmm. said um, something about yeah, people can still sue you civilly. Um, so does carry insurance cover you for civil stuff? There, um, yeah. So um, we'll just pull up. US, let's just take USCCA for instance. Uh -huh. They're going to have different plans, but there, ah. there will be some that will have. Um, let's see here. Let's go over here. Let me just pull this up. And like I said, there's. Hello. What in the hell? Nice. There we go. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to screen share real quick. Uh, trying to stre I'm trying to stretch us to two and a half hours here because it wouldn't be a, no, I, I a, understand. Uh, an armed citizen without uh, without that. Yeah, at least lately, you're right. Uh, can you <laughs> see my screen now? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go to USCCA and they're going to come over here. Let's see if I can find where it would be. Um. Man, they're going through all sorts of stuff. It's very, very in-depth. Um, Delta Defense is their insurance arm. So if you see the Delta Defense up here at the top left, it's not necessarily. Yeah. That's uh, just, that's USCCA's arm of it. Well, um, it would have to be, you know, just, just your opinion, because this is my opinion on that mm -hmm. situation. It would have to be a fairly weird situation. I mean, anybody can sue anybody civilly for any single reason, right? Absolutely. I could write, I could tomorrow mm -hmm. sue any given person out there in the chat 
for showing up in the chat and tagging me or something, which is really stupid, but I could sue them for that. Um, so you would have to, in order, first of all, the family would have to be fairly well off to be able to afford a lawyer, or you screwed up enough. There was a law firm willing to do it pro bono because they knew they could win. Right. And then second of all, you would have to have something uh, or a means, whether you own a business or whether it's something, right? Have a big, nice, fancy house, a bunch of fancy cars or whatever the case may be to kind of prompt them to think they're going to get something if they sue you. I, well, I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of factors, I think, that would go into being sued civilly before you were actually sued civilly, right? Yeah, I'm going to try to go I'm gonna hit this join now. And let's go through the different ones. So the gold, which is their cheapest, it's you know, twenty about twenty-five bucks a month. Of course, they want to ask all my email and all of that. Just to look at the stuff. Uh yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay. So for twenty-five dollars a month, you're gonna get the USCC protector kit, which includes your online video, concealed carry magazine access to nationwide uscca certified instructors blah blah blah, blah. self-defense liability insurance a two million dollar limit applicable to claims expenses and damages and a two hundred fifty thousand limit applicable to defense expenses um it doesn't necessarily say whether it's criminal or civil so you have wow. a two million dollar applicable claims and, and typically claims are more civil um, but uh, you have right claim defenses, claims expenses, and damages, and those typically are going to be more civil. Where two hundred fifty dollar for defense expenses will be more probably criminal. Right. Um, but that's okay. the twenty five dollars a month. Um, well, obviously it goes up from there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, what I want to do is I'm going to go to the elite membership which is about 50 bucks a month. And we'll look at this one. Um, it's the same. So yeah. you're going to, you well, yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be a lot more additional insurance. Um, let's go down to the um, insurance has been purchased by USCCA and is one of the benefits of membership. Um USA USCCA members are additional insured under a policy issued by USCCA by universal fire and casualty. Um, but we're talking here still a $2 million limit applicable to claim expenses and damages and a $250,000 limit applicable to defense expenses. Um, but yeah, you're going to have access to a self-defense uh, team. You're going to have all of that stuff. So yeah. Um, like I said, and, and there are going to be some of them that are going to sit there and say X amount for for criminal, X amount for civil. Someone was going to sit there and just say um, you get this amount for litigation expenses, whether it's criminal or civil. So uh, you're out there and you and you look at them and you have a question, call them, call or whatever. Um, and ask those questions, um, especially if their wording kind of may be interesting, you know. Um, yeah, in a lot of them, a lot of them are going to, Pat says, USCCA specializes in gun-related cases. Um, yes and no. I mean, 
you know, you might have an attorney that you know personally that has done firearm related cases. You have access to a, an attorney that are, you don't have to have insurance for that. Where the USCCA might come into play is helping you out with some of those costs. It's up to you. Like I said, um, if insurance is something that you want and it's worthwhile to you and you think the, the benefit versus cost is, is in a good place, don't let anyone tell you that you're wrong. Um, do you have to have it? I don't think anything that's mandatory is good. So that's just me. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. There you go. Um, I'm wrong a lot. Um, a lot. Especially my wife tells me that. Uh, Guns of Barbecue says, did Clover just threaten to sue everyone in the chat tomorrow? Good thing he didn't say Thursday. So there you go. Heck yeah. All right. We're at two hours and 15 minutes, and you've done a damn good job, you asshole. For I tried. I, you I tried, man. Job. I tried. I hear you. Uh, thanks everyone that's watched this live. Uh, good discussion. If you're out there and you have questions on carrying, whether you're new to it or just have questions in general, feel free to leave a comment down below and replay or on podcast form has a comment section. Email me, call me, text me, whatever. Get a hold of me or get a hold of Clover. He doesn't mind either. And ask those questions. So I have no problem, especially when it comes to carry. This is like I said, this is everyone knows this is a passion of mine. This is one of the so I have absolutely no problem whatsoever talking, carrying, and, and all that. I'll give you my opinion. I'll answer everything that is much to the best of my ability. And if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know, but I'll probably know someone that does. Um, but yeah, thanks out there for watching. If you're watching replay or listening to podcast form, once again questions comments utilize them um if you like what you hear maybe push that like button push the subscribe button um whatever it is push that button if not hey, it's all good um clover says don't mind at all but he does charge 9.99 per minute um that's true no no he's not uh but yeah thanks for guys for watching we'll see you soon and uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything coming on this week. I don't think there's anything going on that's crazy. If you are in the north central Arkansas area, Sunday at our range uh, from 2 to 4, we'll have our monthly fun shoot. If you want to come out and shoot with me and a couple guys that you might actually know, uh, know their names, we shoot once a month and we open up to the public. So anyone's free to come out there and all that. If you want to get a hold of me and I'll let you know that the um, – information on the fun shoot but we're gonna go out and have fun sending lead down range or i guess polymer projectiles whatever we're sending projectiles down range this sunday see you soon simplify